Our text will be Psalm 27 tonight, as we might be beginning a new series. We closed out 2019 by finishing our series, Crossing into Canaan. And the theme there was from Deuteronomy 2.7. These 40 years, the Lord thy God hath been with thee, thou hast lacked nothing. And not only did we not lack, but we were blessed abundantly. Amen. It's a great year. It really shows us <clears throat> how God does things. He specializes in doing far more than we can imagine. Exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. He tells us to cry out to Him and He will show us great and mighty things that we know not. And God did that, I believe, last year. It was just so good uh, for so many reasons. Last Sunday night, I gave our annual State of the Church address. And during that particular service, I like to introduce the theme for the upcoming year that the Lord has laid upon my heart. With it being 2020, I really wanted to do something about vision and sight. 2020 vision. Uh, and um, God led me to Psalm 27:13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. As we start the new year, we're going to begin tonight what might turn into a new series. It may just be one sermon. I don't know. As you know, I'm not a mapper, and I don't know how long we'll consider this thought. But obviously, we will obey the Lord until He says otherwise. And so we'll start tonight. We'll see how long it goes. But for now, I'm calling this Believe to See. Believe to See. Last year, I had purposefully waited to talk about our theme verse until we were closer to crossing over 40 years because I really wanted the emphasis of the theme verse surrounding our anniversary days as the children of Israel, after 40 years, crossed into the land of Canaan. So we were crossing our 40th year and just making some parallels there. But I think this year, the Lord would have us to go ahead and start considering some thoughts surrounding our theme for the year because it has so much to do with what we're contemplating in our, in our church. We have decisions to make. And the biggest one for me is, do we go to two services or not? If we do, do we do it this spring? And if we were to do that, we would certainly want to do that before Easter's. <laughs> Easter, sorry. Every time I say it now, i got to say Easter's. Um, <clears throat> and for those of you who are very righteous, Resurrection Sunday. And that came out way wrong. <laughs> Let me just take a sip of water and kind of re reset myself. Sometimes I th say things that I mean the right way and it comes out sarcastic. Um, but we're at a crisis point right now. And there's some things that we would have to put in motion very soon if we're going to do the things that we discussed last Sunday night. Now, you can probably all tell what my opinion is and what I believe the right thing to do is. I don't have the church's entire attendance record over the last 40 years, although I have a good chunk of of it, and there may be some sheets hiding somewhere in this church, and if so, I hope to find those. But the records that I do have, 
it's only been two weeks, but we're off to the best start that we've ever seen so far on the records that I have. Now, I understand the cooperative weather has helped. Amen. And thank God, because last winter was brutal. And I hope it stays warm all winter, even though it wasn't too warm this morning. But the weather has helped some of that, and I praise God for that. But to be above 170 for two Sundays in January is really a great start to the year. And that's with some snowboarders gone. (laughs) Man, can you picture Harry Lund? (laughs) Yeah, he probably would, actually. 80 years old, snowboarding. I don't know how old Bonnie is, but we'll just leave it at that. And um, we'll see if the first snowboard up there in Hawaii, uh, some of those volcanoes get snow. You know, last year, the snow level there got down to 6,000 feet. That's pretty incredible. And, um, <clears throat> but the snowboarders, I'm going to use that for now on, brother. The, the snowboarders have left, and some people are sick, and yet God has certainly blessed us to start the year. These are great blessings. And I asked God this morning to show me something uh, through all of that to help guide and steer a decision that needs to be made. Because when I woke up at our house, it was 8 degrees. It had snowed the day before a little bit. And usually that's a recipe for lower attendance. But the sun came out, and I think that really helped. And it was a lot warmer here in town, that's for sure. But I've, I have absolutely, let me rephrase that. I, I'm, I have little faith, I think, sometimes, many times. And I tend to be like Gideon and put out the fleece. And, and I had no faith. I've been saying all summer that I expect to have a winter dip. And that just hasn't happened yet. And it's just a pleasant surprise to see you all staying faithful to the house of God and what God is, is doing in our hearts. So since mid-August, we have maintained a, an average that we have to take note of if we want to go further. After the Sunday night service, some came up to me to say, I'm on board. I'm with you. I think we need to do this. And some texted that they were okay with whatever decision was made, and some said they were on board. And I've asked some of, some of the others of you, I've, I've pulled you aside and I've asked, what's on your heart? What do you feel? And this morning, I asked the adult Sunday school class before I started the lesson, put them on the spot, our adult Sunday school, the Falcons, You know, we have the Hawks, the Falcons, the Eagles, the Owls. You know what's great about that is? They're all birds of prey. Birds of prey. I don't know what's being said. Okay. Usually if my wife says she doesn't know, it's something that she doesn't want me to hear. <laughs> Liberty Baptist birds of prey. Uh, man, I'm telling you, you just can't get this anywhere else. All right. Well, anyway, I asked the Falcons... <laughs> which included some owls, what they thought about going to two services. And there were no open dissenters. Uh, 
many were openly supportive. The rest were sleeping. <laughs> and, and that's understandable if you listen to the podcast on Micah. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind to ask you tonight your opinion. And I'm not easily offended. I mean that. And I won't be offended if you just have no desire to be a part of something like that. But let me just ask you tonight. Are there, is there anybody here that would say, yes, I think we ought to do that, go to two services? Is there anybody like that? Okay. Is there anybody who would say, uh, I'm really indifferent, but I'll do whatever the church decides? Is there anybody like that? There's a few of you. Is there anybody, and again, I won't be offended, but you would say, I think it's the dumbest idea I have ever heard. Is there anybody like that? I won't be offended, honestly, if that's you. Uh, I'm just trying to see where the heart of the church is, because I told you I don't want to go forward without um, making sure everybody at least has some comfort level with it. So it seems like a lot of people are saying, well, yeah, we, we could probably give it a shot, and I'd be okay with that. But I think there's probably some that are not adamant either way, and that's a good thing too. I said Sunday night, and I've been saying throughout this conversation that I don't want to force a decision upon anyone. I don't think that's wise. I also don't want to accidentally leave people behind as we go forward. And clearly, my hope is that we all could go forward with one accord, no matter what direction we take. Now, let me take just a minute to explain that. To be of one accord doesn't have to mean we all agree. That's a misunderstanding about that term. And we can be of one accord and not be 100% agreement. But what it means is, is we will collectively work together with whatever the, new, uh, whatever the decision is. To, to give you a stupid example, a dumb example, somebody told me not to use that word. If we were to decide to paint the walls in here, and the majority of the people are on board with the color. Yeah, that's a great idea. And there was a handful of people that are like, I really don't care what you paint it, just keep preaching. But then there was maybe two families that said, no, I hate the color. Let's not do that. But we decided to go forward with the new, the new paint. And being of one accord would be all three of those groups showing up to help paint. It would be the people who agree, they're obviously going to be happy. The ones who are not really adamant one way or the other, they're still going to come out. But even the ones that disagree would still come out and say, I don't agree with the color, but I'm still going to help the church go forward. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? I know that's maybe a, a silly example. But just to give you an idea of, of what being of one accord can mean. And so if there's one or two that are just adamant that it's a bad idea, that's okay. If the overwhelming majority agree that it's a proper step to take, then I would hope that any who are opposed would still come on board, grab an oar, and help us row in the direction that the church decides to take. And hopefully that's the direction God is leading. Amen. And so I hope that makes sense. Because it would never be my intent to be bullheaded about anything. Sheep are to be led, not driven. And I don't want any in our church to feel like you don't have a voice. You, you, you have a voice. I want to hear your opinion. I don't want you to feel like you're being driven forward against your will. And I don't want any to feel like they're being left behind. All of you are important to this local body that we call Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. 
And as a body, we don't want to go forward and in order to do so, sever a hand. Right? We don't want to leave the hand behind because we're all a body together. We don't want to sever a foot in order to take a step forward. That would be awkward. And so we want to go together as a body where Christ is the head. And with a big decision like we've been discussing, I want as many in agreement as is possible. So, back to why I feel I need to preach the thoughts surrounding our theme now as opposed to later in the year like I did last year. The reason why is because if we decide to do this in the spring, there are things that have to get started now. And that makes me very nervous. First and foremost, I would have to re-attack with our deacons. I have spoken to them several times on this issue. I have gotten their opinion. But I can't remember if they were more more in agreement with whatever you decide, or yes, I think we need to do that. I think it's a legitimate need. I can't remember. And so we're going to meet Thursday night. And so deacons, I want you ready to discuss this in in depth. But I want to seek their counsel yet again because the Bible says in the multitude of counselors is safety. And I would certainly want them to be 100% on board before I do anything. If we go forward, which is beginning to look more and more likely, then I would ask, is there anybody in the church that has a hidden talent that you're not telling me about? Because it's going to take more laborers. And sometimes people just kind of are sheepish about what their abilities are. And so I would have to ask if there's any talents that are not being utilized in the church. For example, I might ask, is there a song leader in hiding? We have Adam Jones and Brother McCarty to help when Brother Long is out of town. But they already serve in other areas of the church. And I would just be curious if there's somebody out there who feels compelled to do that. And I've already had one person tell me they are willing to help in that area. But I'm curious if somebody ever feels called to some of these things. And then also, is there anybody who would volunteer as a pianist? We have several piano players, but not all of them might say, I could go first service or second service. And so we'd have to get that figured out. We have to offset the workload if if we go forward. And then I need to know which service people are willing to minister in. Some people may say, I can be there at the first service or I, I can only be there for the second. And so we'd have to start working these things out. There's various ministries that will be affected. And as I began to ponder this more deeply, you begin to see that there's a lot of things that have to be ironed out. And undoubtedly, even if you go forward and you think you have thought of everything, there's going to be something that is a wrinkle that has to be fixed. And that's just the nature of the beast. It's unintentional, but there are going to be things that are not thought through completely yet. And what I would likely do if we go forward this year is host a meeting somewhere uh, for some of the key people in our church that are leading ministries, put their minds together and say, okay, what are we not thinking of? What is it logistically we have to consider? So there's a lot of logistics that have to be worked out. And not only is there logistics that have to be considered, but there's advertising which needs to be done. Yay! And advertising is having talked to pastors who have done this, 
having read several more who have done this, they all mention the need for advertising as much as possible. Obviously, we could use our Facebook page. Amen. Our website, things like that. But let's be honest, that's really going to reach people who are already in touch with the church. How do we reach those that don't even, don't even know about any of this? Adrian and I were driving down to Colorado and we were just talking this over. And we, we both kind of thought it'd be a good idea to purchase some postcards that just very succinctly state what it is we're doing and have those available to mail out, to hand out uh, as, as we're out and about in the community. And the companies which print these cards, they offer a mailing service. I find that very compelling, especially with it being winter. And you can, depending on the volume of that which you mail out, will affect the price. But I was thinking of mailing out 5,000 announcements into the community. If you buy a mailing service that does all that for you and they take care of what zip code and stuff, we could do 5,000 mailers for $2,500. That's a lot of money. But it would take us forever to do that ourselves. And that would be 50 cents per house. This is what I would like to use the buckets for if we decide to do this this spring. We can, every time you put a 50 cent roll in, that's a house. And I would also encourage you guys to give sacrificially to that, not just through the buckets, but you could designate your giving on an envelope that said uh, advertisement fund or something like that. And that would be a way to get the word out in mass to thousands of people, thousands of homes. The idea would be to order eight to 10,000 of these things and have 5,000 mailed via a mailing service and then the other three to 5,000 would be up to us to distribute and to mail to friends, neighbors, coworkers, to pass out, to leave on the table when you go to the restaurant or whatever. And we would be responsible to get those out. The advertising campaign would have a twofold effect. And for the, the most obvious is just to announce what it is we're doing, that we're going to two services. But the other is there are many who don't even know that we're here because of where we're located. And we've got we've to start changing that. But that's a whole other thing that I don't want to get into. But we're kind of tucked back in here. Amen. There are some who have come here. They've been pleasantly surprised. But then they say, I never knew y'all were here. Has anybody, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? But I also know this. If we're faithful to get the word of God out, we, we will see visitors. You, you can only, if you, if you sow enough seed, you're going to see a return. And that's really the principle. We can't guarantee somebody will stay, but we can certainly see them come in. There are more families out there that if we would just give them some sort of a door hanger or a mailer or something like that, they would show up. We've had families do that just from when the, when the teens from Wyoming were here and they were handing out the, the door hangers. But what will make the difference is how welcoming you are to people who come in. And I know I've said this before, but I need to keep saying it. But what makes people want to stay is feeling welcomed. And just keep being kind to people who come in the door. Once somebody feels welcome, they're inclined to stay a little bit longer, and then hopefully one day they would join with us. And 
acceptance will lead to growth. When we are accepting of people, we can expect them to grow. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in our stripe of churches is we say, well, you're not up to this, the level that I think you should be, so you're not welcome to do anything here, be a part of this church or anything else. And then, of course, they throw up the barrier and say, then why am I in church anyway? Where if we would just be accepting of people without compromising and, and say, hey, we're glad you're here. And if we can put you to work, we'll put you to work. Amen. Uh, I'm so glad people were patient with me. So there's logistics to work through. There's advertising, which needs to be done. And we would need to prepare ourselves to be committed for the long haul. We need to go into something like this saying, we're going to stay with it for a certain amount of time. I've said previously that we should give it a year. Although some of the preachers I spoke to said, you're going to know right away whether or not it was the right move. And that's probably going to be the case. But I would say if we were to do that by spring, give it at least until Labor Day at a minimum. That would be, I don't know how many months is that, but April, May, June, July, August, September, October. So like seven months or so, something like that. And so we would have to go into this with a commitment and then see what the numbers bear out. But part of the commitment now, and I want you to get this, would be your commitment to pray. Eric mentioned this morning during the song service, do you pray for services? And you would have to commit yourself to pray to what we believe God is directing us to do. And we have to cry out to God that He will reach more souls. That He will do more through us. That He will bless our efforts of honoring Him by reaching more people for Christ. And we must be committed to invite others in. We have to be vocal about our faith. God has you in the place you work, not so you can earn a paycheck. Not entirely. You are there as a missionary for Jesus Christ. And so you have a responsibility. I'm still trying to win Brother Brock to the Lord. And you have to be in your work environment telling people about Christ. Inviting people in. And so you've got to be committed to that. So there's logistics, advertising, commitment which leads me to the theme this year. We must go forward in faith. We must believe to see. Now, there's no way I could have planned landing on the text we did in John chapter 14 this morning, three and a half years ago when we started John. But what a blessing to see the Holy Spirit just put things together and how He he makes that happen And I'll remind you, God knows the end from the beginning. But to see this morning from John chapter 14, that we will do the same works Jesus did, and we can do greater works than He did, so long as we maintain our faith in Christ and bring glory to God, that was all God's timing this morning. I know it was. We just have to believe and ask God in Christ's name to do what we cannot do. Jesus said, if you'll do that, I'll do it. I didn't intend to ramble up here tonight. Let's look at least one verse. 27.13 I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David did not say, I would have fainted unless I had seen 
He says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see. So many want to see before they will believe. Have you ever debated with somebody who is a, uh, like a real evolutionist? Not just something they were taught, but they really believe it. Somebody who is truly, in their mind, atheistic. When you, when you talk to people like that, you typically hear, if I see it, I'll believe it. Well, that's interesting because I've never seen a dog give birth to a cat. But whatever. If you want to believe that animals can just kind of spring out, but you're way wrong. Amen? Look, let me just go ahead and put it on because nobody's amen tonight. Evolution is of the devil. That's what's ruined our country. That's what's ruined academia because we have told children, you're nothing more than animals. What's the point in living life? If all we did is come out of some pond scum... It's nonsense. How can you involve to all these different things? All right, all right, all right. I feel better. I feel better. I want to see before I believe. If we wait to do something until we see it, we may never see it. I'm not going to go through this psalm tonight like I had planned. But just a quick glance and you'll notice that there's wickedness in the land. Um, David's under persecution here. In verse 2, there are the wicked, the enemies, the foes who are after David. In verse 3, he says, though an host or an army should encamp against me. In verse 5, it's a time of trouble. And in verse 12, there are false witnesses risen up against him. And David is being despised. And I know that we are not experiencing in America tonight what these in the Bible had to experience and what many of them went through. But would you agree tonight that we are a despised people nonetheless? We are in a wilderness. Many have cast off what made this country great. And it seems that so many are rejecting God and rejecting His Word and rejecting His Christ. And in fact, they are. We're not welcome guests in this world. Thank God we're just pilgrims and strangers. We're just passing through. We're ambassadors from a heavenly country for a heavenly king. We're going to be mocked, scorned, and that's okay. Because it means we're like Christ. And in a world like this, many have convinced themselves that the days of revival are over because we're, woe is me, living in the last of the last days. Apostasy has set in. I want to tell you tonight, God is not done yet. If God was done, we would not be here. God is so desirous of people to be saved that even in the revelation at the time of the end, an angel will preach the gospel. Even up to the very end, the gospel is being preached. It's been worse than it has been in our day. We see that in the Bible. And even in those days of wickedness, God always kept to Himself a remnant that did not bow the knee to Baal. God is still willing that none should perish. The children of Israel spoke against God when 
They were in the wilderness and they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? What a dumb thing to ask. But we sometimes become guilty of letting what we see around us affect what we think God can do. David said in Psalm 23, 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Of course God can do it. Despite all the wickedness around David, despite how the enemy didn't like him, despite how they did not want him around, David continued to walk by faith. He believed to see. And I just am trying to encourage everyone tonight that we need to believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It doesn't matter how the world may view us. Don't buy into the idea that somehow God is done. I hear it from Christians. Well, you know, we're in the last days. Well, nobody's cut up a concubine and send it to my front door yet. I remember that somewhere in the Bible. Nobody's come to my door and I've offered them my virgin daughter. It seems like I remember that somewhere in the Bible. Oh, but it's so bad out there, preacher. (laughs) We've got it made. And the, and the devil is getting us to believe this idea that because we're in this great apostasy, that the days of God doing something great are over. But God is still on the throne. Now, I don't care how bad it gets, we must continue to believe to see. Do you believe it? Amen, sister. Do you believe it? Do you believe to see it? You're not going to see it until you first see it through the eyes of faith. I was listening to some preachers of yesteryear, which I often do. And there's one in particular, I won't call his name, but he was saying, I saw in my mind what God wanted to do. And I would drive down the road and I would lead the entire group that came forward to Christ in my mind. He said, I saw it first before it ever happened. And that's what's going to make the difference in 2020. We have to believe it to see it. We have to see it by faith. And I want every one of us in here to not limit God. Not to look at the situations in the world out there and say, this is, the, this is as good as it's going to get. When it's darkest, the light shines the brightest. And I say, bring it on. God wants to reach Rapid City for Christ, and I want to be instrumental in that. So as we go forward, would you just pray? Would you pray for wisdom? Would you pray for courage? to go forward and to reach people for Christ. I need you committed. This is not a one-man show. It is a group effort. And we all need to at least walk away when the decision's made saying, okay, let's do this, whatever it is. And so I need you on board. And then I, I need your help if we do it to advertise. I need that. It takes money. It's just the way it is. Well, I'll shut up. Let's pray.